how many how many Ravens fans are here today? Just raise your hand. Yeah, you know all those Raven fans? Can I tell you what they are? They're jealous Raider fans. They're simply they're simply poor sports because all of us 49er fans would vote for the Raiders, right? If they were in it? No? Oh wow. I thought I, I, I thought you guys were better Christ followers than that, but forget it. Hey, any, anyone here had a bad day recently? Felt kind of forsaken, a little beat down? What do you do in that situation? To just wait, A couple of you raise your hand, tell me, what do you do? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, probably, yeah. Up, up, up. What? Sing one of our worship songs. Wow, we're spiritual. I love it. Work out. Help someone else. Chocolate. I lo- now, now there's an honest person. I'm glad she didn't say wine or something. Talk to friends. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Watching sports. Yeah, you know, we, we do. You know, a lot of people, they, they approach these times, don't they? Uh, you have a bad day. We all, all of these things probably we do do, and those are, a lot of them are good, but sometimes we feel like we've got to have a stiff upper lip, don't we? We've got to slug it out. We've got to pull ourselves up by our bootstraps. Others uh, in the bad days will give up or give in, or sometimes they'll self Medicate, whether it's chocolate or some other drug of choice. <laughs> now, I'm going to tell you a little story by way of illustration. I'm not going to even, please don't think that I'm even comparing it in any way, shape, or form about the day of Jesus that I'm going to talk about. Because I'm really talking about today good news for bad days. So I'm not trying to compare it's just probably to add a little bit of levity, but also uh, to show you how our bad days, even when they're really not that bad, but we see them as bad, some of the same things begin to filter out that we, we just simply need to come to Jesus and understand and because it gets distilled through our life. My bad days were this week. Uh, the, uh, it's a long story, but I was sick most of the week and tried to work through it, which was not really smart. I knew on Tuesday I shouldn't have, but I had some appointments I didn't want to change or cancel, and I started paying for it Wednesday afternoon, went home, and just was going to lay down and get a a nap. Uh, My bride had abandoned me. (laughs) She really didn't know too much of what was going on, but she left. She had to, uh, didn't really abandon me, but she had to go to a funeral uh, of her uncle up in uh, Oregon. So I just go home, had some downtime, and uh, by Wednesday night, I knew it wasn't going to be a good day or two. And uh, by Thursday, I was just, I was sick. And please, you don't, don't, oh, poor pastor. If, there's probably a few of you that I'm not trying to get any sympathy. So it's a story. It's all true. So by Thursday, I am just, I'm out of it. And I got like five different things going on and meds that I had to get and all that kind of stuff. And um, I was just resting up. Well, uh, Thursday, Friday's our garbage day and recycle and all that. So I had to, uh, uh, I didn't want Trina mad at me when she got home. So I had to remember to take it out. 
But I didn't want to do it during the day because I really didn't want anybody to see me because I just I didn't feel like talking or seeing anybody. So I waited till the evening, about 8 or 9 o'clock. And um, one of the things in our house, I go out the garage door that we walk uh, from the garage to the house. I'll almost always keep it locked in case you want to steal something. And, um, so, and, then, and then there's the outside door into the garage that we lock. Now, I have a household person that is almost always locking themselves out. And I just, and please, you got to know Trina and I, but I always go, well, that's an idiot thing to do. <laughs> because this person, uh, I won't say who, but it's a female in our house. And I just always go, you know, honey, I, that's just idiot. And it's a joke between us. So don't, ladies, I'm, I still love her. And, but I, I tease her unmercifully about it. Well, this night I walk out. And I make sure I unlock the garage door to the house. But I go out. It's cold. And I'm not really dressed up. I had my little golf slippers on. And I'm outside. I'm taking out the, the three uh, receptacles of our garbage. Come back in and freezing by now. And um, I go to open up the garage door into the garage. And it's locked. Well, that's really funny, isn't it? <laughs> Idiot. That was, the, my, that was my first thought. My second thought was, oh, phew, good, we got a key out here. <laughs> so I go looking for the key where it's supposed to be. It's not there. So now I'm getting a little bit now, there, just a, there, there's just, I'm thinking, you know, there's just a little bit of unforgiveness welling up in my soul. Because <laughs> I'm just not real happy because I can't find the key that I thought was supposed to be where it was. So then I go, what am I going to do now? So I walk over to the door and I'm really weak. I mean, I'm weak anyway, but I'm really weak. And so I'm trying to bust the door in. <laughs> and I'm, it would have been funny. And I was really concerned about my neighbor next door who really watches over us. And I thought, he's going to hear somebody. I'm going to have the police coming, and then I'm really going to be in a hurt. But I'm sitting there trying the hardest to bust this thing in. Can't do it. I just can't do it. So I walk over, and I go look at all the other furniture outside and all these other places to try and find this key that's probably somewhere, but I don't know where it is. And I'm thinking, God, I'm sick. Just let me get in the house. I'm checking windows. I'm, che I'm checking everything. And I go back. I try and bust the door in again. And then finally I'm thinking, okay, I got my little golf slippers on. I don't know, my, I don't know any of my kids' phone numbers because you've got these stupid phones now that you don't got to know the numbers. You just push the button. I don't have my phone with me. And I'm thinking, I'm going to have to walk a mile to go to my kid's house to get a ride back and get in. So now I'm not real happy. It's a bad day, okay? Bad evening. And I'm like, I spent 20 minutes looking, and by this time, I am just freezing. And finally, I said, I, I don't want to walk. I don't think I could have made it because it's about a mile. I would have froze. So I walked over. I tried again in our house. Our, our door's got a, a thing that's been nailed to it, and it's just a lot of weird stuff. I'm trying to get in, and I can't do it. 
And so finally, I just, I'm just kind of getting mad now. And so finally, I just walk up there, ah, kung fu, and the door popped open. Now, it's all busted up right now. So if anybody feels a calling to come and fix my door, let me know. But I got in. It was not a good day. It was not a good evening. But uh, just as I began, I I noticed all those things. I really did. I kind of felt a little bit of unforgiveness toward Trina because as soon as I got in the house, I texted her and said, key, outside key. Oh, yeah, Uh, it's in the umbrella. It's no longer in the swing. Well, that would have been nice to know. I was too tired by then. I didn't text that to her and let her know that I was bitter and upset and angry. But I forgave her. You know, we all have bad days, don't we? And that's not really that bad, but you get the idea. But it's funny how how in our bad days, those things can quickly begin to get distilled. And there's a lot of options that we can pursue in dealing with those bad days. But I want to look at principles from Jesus' worst day that he experienced ever uh, and learn from them. Because, see, it's easy for us to look at the cross of Jesus Christ at at, at Good Friday and at Easter time, and forget that there's a powerful, wonderful, gracious dynamic that comes to us day in and day out if we will simply come to the cross of Jesus Christ and see that it isn't a one-time experience, but it is something that comes to us every day. Because see, there's, there's two aspects, two dynamics that come from the cross. Number one, there's the deliverance part. It's when we first come to Jesus, we understand that the cross is the instrument of deliverance. We come to it as sinners in need of a Savior. It was on the cross where Jesus shed his blood and and to not just simply cover our sins, but to remove our sins. He paid the price for our sins to secure our salvation. We all understand that. It's the first point of deliverance. But it's also the cross is about discipleship, loved ones. We come after we experience the deliverance, then we can come as Christ followers. Imperfect People following, following Jesus and being perfected by this perfect one. The cross becomes a summons to daily discipleship. It's a path laid for us on how to live and how to walk with the Lord and how to live out our lives before others. Why is that? Well, if we just read the Gospels, we'll see Jesus. One of the key things that he said is that when you pick up your cross, it really means to die to yourself. And to live for others. It's not about us. It's about him. And it's about what he's called us to be and to become. Here, listen to Hebrews that Jesus said about what Paul probably said about Jesus concerning the cross. And it says, therefore, since we have, Hebrews 12. Therefore, since we have such a large cloud of witnesses surrounding us. And it's referring to all the the biblical people of faith in Hebrews chapter 11. It says, these people have gone before you. They show you how to live. He says, we have this cloud of witnesses who are now in heaven surrounding us. He says, let us lay aside every weight. Those aren't the bad, the weights aren't necessarily bad things. They're just things that would impede us. So he says, lay aside anything that would impede you and the sin that can so easily ensnare us so that you can run with endurance the race that lies before us. Why? So we can keep our eyes on Jesus, the source and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that lay before him, listen to this, 
He endured the cross, despised the shame. And now he sat down at the right hand of God. For consider him who endured such hostility from sinners against himself. Why? So that you don't grow weary and lose heart. I want to look at Jesus living through a bad day at a pivotal time in human history to fulfill the realization and redemption as the dying Lamb of God comes to give us words to live by. Now, these aren't on your notes because I just kind of finished this up yesterday. But I want to, uh, I'm just going to give you the, I'm going to give you the scripture and I'm going to give you the, the principle and then just a couple of thoughts that surround it. First, the first statement that Jesus makes on the cross is, Father, forgive them for they do not know what they do. Luke 23, 34. This is the principle. When you are, here's the good news, the first point of good news when you're facing a bad day. Forgive anyone that's attempting to make a mess of your life. I think Jesus starts with this probably because it's the hardest. It is through the spirit of forgiveness that Jesus retains control of his situation when it seems most out of control and it appears that he's being victimized by everything going on around him. Guess what? It's this ability to master. It's this ability to move toward forgiveness in it and through it that puts him fully back in control. Remember the MasterCard credit card commercial and slogan that says, master the moment? It's really true. MasterCard has it right. Listen, a a, a credit card can help you. It can help you master some of your financial issues. But we also understand that you don't want it to ever become your master, do you? Because it is a difficult slave driver. And loved ones, it's the same way with unforgiveness. That's what's happening here is Jesus is not only releasing the words of forgiveness from the cross, but he is mastering his moment. And the moment is not controlling and mastering him. He's the Lord of Calvary, the Lord of earth. He is the Lamb of God. And while being viciously mistreated, Jesus is still in control. He is the victor. He is not the victim. Because he understands that unforgiveness becomes a very cruel taskmaster. To forgive those who injure or seek to injure you, when you start the process, it is not a one-time decision, loved ones, and sometimes it's a journey, but seldom a destination. But when you remove yourself, when you begin to determine to forgive, you remove yourself from their control because you then don't have to be fettered. You don't have to be strangled by the anger and retaliation that ultimately seeks to attach itself to your spirit and to your soul. We are so sure that everybody wounds and hurts us with a calculated plan. Some do. But oftentimes, they don't. Oftentimes, as Jesus says here, they don't even know they're doing wrong. They don't even get it. There's some people that just don't, I mean, they're not dumb. They just don't have any, they just don't get it. And sometimes we got to just be able to let it go. 
Now, some may do it intentionally, but there's so much that's unintentional. But Jesus models for us loved ones, and he mentors us to forgive, for they know not what they do. And that doesn't mean that you don't learn from the pain that you experience. Because paradoxically, Jesus says this, uh, be wise as serpents, but be gentle as doves. See, when we're hurt, be aware. Set boundaries. There's an old saying that says, fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. There there, There are unsafe people around us. And you have to be aware of that. And sometimes you have to create margin from them because it doesn't matter how hard you try, they're not going to be safe. So protect yourself. The key is don't close yourself off to people, but be aware of the safe people and the unsafe. And it's in these times, if you are hurt, if you've been hurt, you must decide and choose to forgive. Realize if you don't, that will ultimately become toxic to you, not the other person. I remember to remind a couple weeks ago, one of the things that I journaled on with the Friday morning guys came from the story of Joseph in Genesis 46 through 50. A couple of times there's a great story of Joseph, who in many ways is an Old Testament type and picture of Jesus. His life was literally like this, up, down up, down. God had given him a promise as a teenager, and yet he was waiting for the fulfillment of that. But during that, he was totally mistreated, always for doing right. Whenever he did right, he was forgotten or mistreated. And this is what he says at the end of his life, toward the end of his life, when his brothers who had mistreated him and sold him into slavery. I love these words that he said. He basically said this, what you meant for evil, God meant for good. Isn't that what Jesus did for us? And see, loved ones, when you're going through a bad day, here's the good news. Jesus calls you to begin the process of forgiving, not so that other person can experience freedom, but so you can. And oftentimes it's in those bad days that when we don't forgive, that's when it gets worse. You gotta make the decision. Second thing Jesus says on the cross, he says, Assuredly, I say to you today, you will be with me in paradise. And the principle is encourage others that are struggling in uncertain times. To the right and to the left of Jesus on the cross are two criminals. They're being executed, but they're experiencing very similar pain to Jesus, not to the depth and to the extent, as we'll see in a few minutes, but, but they're, they're, they're experiencing the same physical pain. Jesus could have been focusing on his own stuff, his own problems, and he was very aware of his own pain. But what's so powerful is As he's going through it, he recognizes that they are going through a similar struggle as well. Listen, loved ones, in a bad day, it's important for me, it's important for you not to miss and recognize that other people may be having it just as tough. And instead of getting totally preoccupied and consumed with your own pain, sometimes the best thing we can do, the most powerful thing we can do is look to our right and look to our left, even as our Savior did. If you're a disciple, if you are, and a disciple is a learner of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, 
there's another thing that's very true. Jesus turned to a man who was having the same struggle, but he didn't, he had infinitely less resources to deal with it than Jesus did. See, Jesus had his father, his heavenly father, to get him through it. As Christ followers, may God inscribe on our hearts and in our hope to realize that people around us are going through many of the same struggles that we faced, but they're doing it without Jesus. Therefore, they don't have the ultimate hope. They don't have the ultimate resources to deal with the difficulties that they face. That's why God says sometimes you face things, not because God says, I'm going to send you through it, but because God says, I'm going to allow it to happen. I haven't missed it. I know it's going on. But as you go through it, never forget that there's people around you that are going through similar things. And I call you to look to me so they can see it and you can give them hope, encouragement, and faith for the situation that they face. And maybe just like we get to ask and seek of God, people will come and ask and seek of us and we can be there to encourage them. But just as importantly, we can point them to the one that gives us hope and that gives us strength to get through the difficult things that we face. And he gives them hope and he says, in your uncertain time, I want you to know you can be with me today in paradise. That's his question. That's his hope. And Jesus gives him certainty. Third one is Jesus says, woman, behold your son, as he's talking to his mother. Behold your mother, he says to John, his follower in John 19, 26 through 27. The principle is this. Is in your bad days, here's the good news. Be sure that you're taking care of those near you. Jesus is addressing his mother, Mary. John is the only disciple of the 12 that is there at the cross with him. He followed him all the way to the cross. Everybody else abandoned him. And so Jesus, (coughs) Mary's oldest son, Joseph had died. So he, Jesus would have been her protector in a society where women were frequently disenfranchised by their culture and their society by the death of the men in their lives. Now, although Jesus is surrounded by turmoil. He's experiencing the greatest pain in his life that he's ever experienced. Guess what? He's concerned with his mother's personal plight. And he establishes a domestic responsibility for her and said, John, this is my mother. Take her, treat her like your mother. You want, to make, you want some good news for your bad days? Don't lose sight of the people around you. I have a close friend in this church, a lot of them, but uh, one man, and just as I've had conversations with him this past year or so, he probably wouldn't even know that I've noticed. But I picked it up here and there as he's gotten older, had some physical issues, 
I don't, he's never talked about death, but I, I, I think he's a realist and he understands that he's got a lot less time than more time. Not unhealthy, but I've just taken note. You know what he's always talking about? He's talking about his wife. Just little bits and pieces here in his family, how he's setting them up, how he's preparing to take care of them so they don't have to worry about anything. There's something about that that will make your bad days better when you're able to lift your eyes and make sure that you don't lose focus on the people around you. See, we have have this great tendency to presume that those who are closest to us understand our dilemma and that they're going to absorb it along with us. Some of us have wives that take off to Oregon when you need them the most. She wasn't there to absorb. (laughs) But hear me, it's not the spirit of a disciple, of a Christ follower to say, it's been a bad day for me, so it's going to be a bad day for all of those around me. You hear that? That's not the spirit and the heart of a disciple. I'm going to share the corollary to this in a moment. But this is the point. Don't try and transmit your trauma. Now, there's another side of this I'll talk about in a minute. But sometimes people want to simply transmit their trauma. Hear this. Others may share and step in voluntarily to share it with you, to walk with you, and to work it through. But don't expect people to pick it up. Because when you do, you will always be disappointed, and your bad days will become worse. See, the Bible reminds us, we don't transmit, we don't carry everything. Peter said in chapter 5 of 1 Peter, chapter 5, he said this, cast all your cares upon him. Who? Jesus. Why? Because he cares for you. And see, even in the midst of a small little thing like being sick and locked out of your house, you start thinking, well, Lord, just give your servant a little break here. And that's not even a bad thing. But you know how we think? Instead of just saying, Lord, I, I kind of need to let this go here. I need to get some perspective and cast my cares upon you. See, casting has the idea of rolling something <laughs> that can roll back on you. I don't like that. The things, the things that are crushing that makes your days bad. He says, I want you to cast those, roll those on to Christ. But no, they'll come back and roll on you. Why would would it be like that? I really believe it's because of this. Because as long as you know you need to get rid of it and cast it, not simply transmit it to somebody else that really can't do much about it, when you roll it and you know it can roll back, you know what you'll do? You'll stay pretty close to the Lord that can keep it from rolling back, won't you? Because, see, Jesus at some points in our lives, loved ones, is more concerned not about lifting your burden but about keeping you close to him in relationship. And sometimes that's what these bad days will do. They'll bring us closer to Jesus. Next one he says is, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Matthew 27, 46. Here's the principle. Aim your hard questions at God, not man. 
When you have those bad days, here's the good news. Aim your hard questions at God, not man. Jesus, at this point, is starting to feel the weight of sin from mankind and separation from his father, full separation for the first time. Why? Because of you and me. 2 Corinthians 5.21 tells us that he who knew no sin, Jesus, was made sin for us. Imagine that, him taking on the sins of humanity from all of history, past, present, future. We, I, we can't even explain how that is possible or fathom the emotion of separation. But loved ones, when you're facing a tough time, human beings may be there for you and sympathize with you, but none of us has the answers to your ultimate questions of why. Remember Job and his supposed friends and comforters? It's a classic study in how human philosophies attempt to explain what's going on in difficult times that we face, but they never have the true truth and fulfilling answers. That's why the best thing you can do is shoot your questions to God, get encouraged by your friends, but listen, we don't have all the answers because we don't have the infinite wisdom nor the infinite oversight of the beginning and to the end to your questions. And most of the time, it's just easier for us to screw it up and screw you up with our thinking and thoughts as opposed to you going to God and saying, God, because you may not even get the what answered or the why. That's why you got to go and you got to focus on the what. God, what are you going to teach me in this? What are you going to teach me through this? You can find help aiming your hard questions at God. You see it throughout the Psalms. That's what David did. He was always asking God questions. And you know what's interesting? A lot of times he never got answers except when he did two things. He, re he remembered the word that he'd read from God, and then he'd quote that. And then at the end, he would come back to the character of God and remember and focus on that. Because we get a lot of questions, loved ones, and this side of eternity, we may not get them answered. And be careful who you go to for answers. The next one is Jesus said, I thirst. I mean, Jesus said, I thirst. John 19, 28. This is the principle, let your need be known. Ask for help. Now, remember I said, well, Pastor, you said don't transmit, don't put it on people, don't. don't. But there is a right way and a right time where you've got to let your need be known and you ask for help. Because see, Jesus earlier <coughs> turns down water mixed with gall. Why is that? Well, because it would, have, it would have satisfied his thirst in one way, but it would have also diminished some of his pain. But he was committed to take or to come as the Lamb of God to the slaughter, to die for humanity and to feel the full effects of it, not have it be diminished. So now this is the time he says, now I thirst. I have a need. And, 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 and I, I can't prove this, but I wonder if it wasn't because if maybe he doesn't ask now because he wants to clear his throat, be able to clearly communicate his next phrase that we'll get to in just a moment. See, loved ones, there's no one that is so spiritual that can make it through a truly bad day 
a bad season without some people to call on and to stand with you. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah. Let me give you an example. I'm not going to go into this. I'm going to share this story at some other point in a, in a teaching, probably a miniseries. But I was, in a, I was in a council meeting a year ago, and I was, um, church was doing good. Everything around here was doing good. I mean, there was a couple of struggles, but uh, from everything generally that a pastor would want, everything was going good, but I was literally dying. I really didn't understand why, and, um, but I went to a council meeting, and I, there comes a time where usually in every council meeting, we just kind of ask how everybody's doing, and they asked me, and I just said, I'm, I've been a mess for about five months. And, um, and that was really hard for me because I've never really, you know, very often said I'm just a wreck. I mean, I am a wreck all the time, but, I mean, I was a real wreck then. But I said in the council meeting, they said, well, well, what can we do for you? And I just, you know, I think, I think, I think for the first time in my life, I just need some professional counseling. I got to figure this out. Why everything can, quote, be so good around me, but I'm, I'm dying on the inside. And, um, and like I say, I'll share the rest of the story later. Other than this point, uh, the council just kind of got around me in the next week, and they said, listen, this is what we're going to do. And, and they just took care of me in a very, very significant way. There comes a point, loved ones, where you've got to have the wisdom to be able to say, I need help so that there are someone or some people around you to help you clarify the stance and the response that you're taking in trusting God. Not where you simply use it to pamper your flesh, where someone will give you the words that will keep you from being committed to your values that you are about and being about the Lord that you serve and give you easy answers, but they will speak to you and challenge you to stay with God and to stay close to God, and if you need help, to get it. And sometimes you just got to be that kind of person that will say, I, I, I don't know, I don't get it, I don't know, because I've always been able to figure out my own stuff. But there comes a time, every one of us, in a bad day, need to reach out. Listen to what, Galatia, what Paul wrote to the church of Galatia. He said this, Chapter 6, brothers, if someone is caught in any wrongdoing, you are spiritual, should restore such a person with a gentle spirit watching out for yourselves so that you won't be tempted also. And then verse 2, he says this, get this, carry one another's burdens in the way that you will fulfill the law of Christ. Now, now note that, carry one another's burdens, because then he goes on to say, for if anyone considers himself to be something when he is nothing, he's deceiving himself. Sometimes we think we can handle it, but we just got to be humble enough to say, Jesus, I need help. Friend, can you walk with me through this? But verse 5, he says this, for each person will have to carry his own load. Whoa, that's confusing. Carry one another's burdens, but carry your own load. What's the difference? Verse 2, when he says, carry one another's burdens. He's talking about there's those times, it's really kind of a military picture of someone getting walloped in the chest, getting shot in the chest, where it's a severe and a significant injury and hurt and pain that comes because of the battle they're in. 
And he says, there's those times where people get injured where we get to walk with them. And we have to be discerning of how to help them. And then we begin to live, not to reveal their issues, but to release them and walk with them so that they can come back to health and strength. But where he says for each person will have to carry his own load, that's the idea of a soldier's pack that every soldier needed to carry to maintain himself and take responsibility for. See, there's a point where there's things that loved ones, God just calls you to carry as a human. And too many people, it's not about getting walloped in the chest, but, oh, just carry my stuff for me, will you? And that's not what we're called to do. There's stuff you got to carry. But you got to be discerning as a person helping others as well as be discerning when you just need to say, I can't get this figured out. My God, my God, I thirst. Help me. Let your need be made known. It's not unspiritual to need help. Jesus models how we need to let it be known during a bad day or during a bad season. Sixth one is, it is finished. I love this. Hold on to your faith and know that there's a purpose and there's an end to every bad day. We love these words most about the cross because they are the declaration by Jesus Christ that he is literally completing our salvation before he dies. He's completed what he came to do. It's a statement of triumph that everything Everything has been fulfilled by his action on the cross. It's a statement that doesn't see or feel the victory yet, but it lays hold of it by faith. And sometimes when we are in a bad day, we can't feel and see and know that the end is there. But by faith, we've got to lay hold of it because Jesus is the victor. He has given you, listen, every one of you, a preferable future that is promised and now is in the final process of always being secured. And I can't guarantee and don't know when it's going to come. And sometimes, most of the time, you don't either. But you live knowing that it's coming. Though God may have not brought about intentionally these bad days or bad seasons, there's nothing that besets you, though, that comes against you that God has not already seen and know that it's coming. And if you will walk with him, stay close to him, trust in him, his purposes, they will be worked out if you walk in faith and keep your head and eyes focused on Jesus and continually move with him, not blaming him, but trusting him through your worst and your bad days. Because if you don't, You will blame him. You will blame others. You will blame life. You will blame everything and anything. And you will become a bitter person. But trust what God has started. He's going to complete in you, loved ones. God can turn a bad day, listen, into a redemptive event or situation for us, for you, for me just like he did for Jesus, just like he did for Joseph. And can I tell you something? It took Jesus 33 years to see the fulfillment of it. 
It probably took Joseph 40 years to see the fulfillment of what God gave him as a teenager. God is not about microwaving Christ followers. He marinates us so that we become fully cooked, fully blown Christ followers. And he uses everything of our life just like he did with Jesus. But when you're in the middle of it, it's hard to believe it will ever be over. But hear me, hear me. Not only will it be over, not only will you come through it, but God makes these things redemptive by his grace so that we might use them to not only grow stronger, but to encourage others as we live to be better by his grace, not bitter by our seemingly unfinished circumstances of life. last one is simply this. Into your hands, God. Into your hands, Father, I commit my spirit. Luke 24, 46. Here's the last one. Surrender your day to God and let go. You can come to the end of a day that's been tough, and it may not look much better tomorrow, next week, maybe even next year. And that can begin to preoccupy your heart and mind with bewildering concerns like, when will this pain cease? When will this circumstance end? When will my life turn about? But the way to go through a bad day or time is to get into the hands of God. Get it into the hands of God. Walk with Jesus so that you can leave it with Jesus. Paul said it this way in Philippians 3.10. I want to know him and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering so that I can be conformed to his death. I want to know the power. I love that. But sometimes the only way I can ultimately know his power is because I experience sufferings and that I understand that his power is most resident. It is most evident when I'm experiencing tough times, bad days, difficult seasons, because that will hopefully draw me closer to the powerful one who will reveal his resurrection power in and through me. Our heart's cry to the Lord is to know how to walk as disciples through the tough Fridays, through the tough days of our lives, even as Jesus told you a story last week about Anthony Campolo. He's the guy that made this great statement. Years ago, he said, it's Friday, but Sunday's coming. And can I tell you something? It's a bad day, but Sunday's coming. What's Sunday? It's the power of the resurrection that sealed the deal for every one of us. And I don't know what your bad day is now. It might be health. It might be finances. It might be a relationship. It might be an unforgiven pain. You fill in the blank, whatever it could be. But if you will stay close to Jesus and you will direct and you will learn from your bad days these things that Jesus teaches you, let me tell you, Sunday is coming. The resurrection power of Jesus Christ will get you through if you will press into him and you will pursue him to say, I want to know you 
and the power of your resurrection, even if I have to suffer through a couple of bad things, bad days, to get there. That, loved ones, is trust. That, loved ones, is spiritual life. We're going to die. That's a cheerful thought, isn't it? But I guess it's just a good reminder. I thought this week I just might die. Abandoned. <laughs> Unforgiveness. It's amazing what you learn on your sickbed. I've sat with a lot of people on their deathbeds. I've never heard anybody regret things except broken relationships that they didn't give more of their life to God. In that moment, what matters gets really clear. And it's knowing Jesus, my forgiver, my healer, my leader. And then it's about loving the people around me and using whatever comes into my life to bless them. You don't have to wait till you're on your deathbeds, loved ones, to make a decision that says, I'm gonna love God. There's two thieves on the cross Jesus said to one, I'll remember you today. The other one, he just kept jeering and talking, mocking Jesus. And it's really a picture of where every one of us is today. You're either in or you're out. You're either going to trust or you're going to mock. And I, every one of us, I, I just know this, you're going to have a bad day or a bad season because I, I just don't know anybody that doesn't have a some of us have fewer. Some of them don't aren't as bad. But you're going to have them. What are you going to do with them? Are you going to take them to Jesus? Or are you going to try and do it on your own? It's a cooperative effort. And some of you, maybe you need Jesus. You need to, see, you need to relate, respond to the one who died on the cross for you and says, I want to take you through any bad day you have. The ultimate bad day is, well, it's death. But it becomes a really good day when you know him. Because as Jesus said, I'm going to commit my life to God. Maybe you've never done that. Would you just bow your heads with me? If you've never done that today, I want to invite you to say, Jesus, I want to commit my life to you. I'm not dying. I'm not dead Thank God. But I need to commit my life to you. And I want to invite you to do that this morning. It's not easy being a Christian. Because it takes faith to get through difficult times because so many of us expect God to do for us. But if you've never said yes to Jesus Christ, all you need to do is admit your sins. Just admit I'm a sinner. Confess that you need a Savior and believe that Jesus is the one. So today, Lord, if that's you, I want to ask you to do two things, just to pray a simple prayer like I'm going to pray. Some of you might want to recommit. I don't know because you've kind of been straying or moving away from this God. Some of you might be in a bad day, bad season, but this is where you get to trust Jesus. I ask you just to pray.
And then secondly, just on your connection slip today that you'd say, I committed my life to Christ so that we can pray for you this week. Father, I'm still such a wonderful sinner, but still so thankful that what happened on the cross, I still get to experience forgiveness. And when I go through a bad day, I mean a really bad day, not a sick day, but a really bad day, you're continually teaching me and us how to do it as you did so that days get better. Even when we don't have answers, we get to trust you. I pray that if there's anybody here today that's never responded to Jesus Christ, that they would do that. They wouldn't wait. They wouldn't put it off. They would see their need for a Savior. Does any For those that are going through bad days, and I've heard about some of them recently, I just pray, God, they would approach you, trust you, love you, hear you, walk with you, knowing it's Friday. It's a bad day. But we've already seen the resurrection. So I just thank you, Lord, for these precious people. Pray a blessing now in this in your name. Amen.